Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm Gina Dalvac, the producer, hanging in the background today. <laughs> We're together in person. We really are. We're together in person in the same room. We had lunch <sighs> together. We've been shooting this shit together. <laughs> We've what been a- trying to start doing this for four hours. What a day. <laughs> what a day. I know it's a really nice day. I like being in the same room as the two of you. Oh, the deliciousness of sharing physical space with people I love is maybe the only thing I like about the pandemic. This is only the second time ever in the pandemic for us that we've mm-hmm. all been together. I, I also am just like because the pandemic has lasted since before the common era. <laughs> I <laughs> I forgot what's the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, could you have predicted that this podcast would end before the pandemic? <laughs> wow, that is <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is I'm sorry, but that is the timeline we're on. <laughs> wow. Wow, 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 wow. Honestly, probably. If we're honest. <laughs> it's, it's, honestly, it's a wonder we didn't break in pandemic season one. Is that <laughs> I mean no, it's just like not everything for everything to be about the pandemic but like remember those super early days where like you know there was the first day where you're like okay i'm gonna stock my fridge and then in three weeks this will blow over and i'm still then, eating those beans i remember i know oh my god rancho gordo bean club be still my heart um <laughs> one person should not be a solo member of the bean club is all i have to say about the bean club. i couldn't get into the bean club when when the chips were down there were no points of entry <laughs> to the right. bean club. some of us joined the bean club earlier i bought uh, my beans from a restaurant i was trying to support that's how old those beans are but like, okay so it's like first you know i was like okay this thing's gonna blow over and like mm, i thought it would be like three weeks four weeks tops and then we'd know more and then there's clearly you know like day two or three you're hunkered down governors that shall not be named or like having tech like conferences and there's like a distinct moment i remember being like oh shit like this is like it's real (laughs) it's just like very real and it's not gonna be three weeks and these were the days where everyone was like yeah it takes like 22 years to make a vaccine and and, like whatever and then when we got the vaccine and covid was still here is when i was like yeah we're gonna live with this for a while so all of this to say that um i'm not saying i predicted anything i'm just saying that like i remember the day where like my heart dropped and i was like oh nobody knows anything at all Mm. and i decided that that was a timeline i was on the like nobody knows anything at all timeline so nothing will surprise me right like we're spinning off into like the void of space like there's no anchor anymore like (laughs) Like, yes done (laughs) yeah it's done it's like we're gonna finish the like greek alphabet Mm. there was a really funny tweet where someone was like they're gonna start naming the variants after the ladies in mambo number five (laughs) 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 that's like what are we gonna get after erica you know like what are we gonna do and at this point it's all lol for me i'm just like okay this is absurd but i don't you know it's like humans you can only process things that you have a frame of reference for mm-hmm. like you take risks based on situations that you know context yeah and now i'm like i have no context i have no like nobody knows anything so even when i hear like people just being like in the scientists say and the whatever and i was like 
bitch, no one has lived through a global once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Let me spin out in my own corner, please. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Spinning out, spinning out in my own corner and then also figuring out the ways that everyone I care to socialize with is spinning is like really the dominant mood of the moment. Can I ask you a question? Obviously. Were there like times in early COVID seasons, like so seasons one and two Mm -hmm. and three, like, and maybe even early vaccine, not this like Omicron phase that's very serious and we're all taking very seriously. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you like do something that you knew was risky and you were like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it and really enjoyed it? Like, was there like a personal rebellion moment? I think I've had a few of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of them, though, like look pretty innocuous. You know, it's like the choice to hug a friend in the Mm pre-vaccination days or like the decision to be indoors with someone when one or both of us was at like a really deep low and we just needed to like, Mm -hmm. you know be in the same shared space like literally do the thing that was most dangerous like breathe the same air so i mean uh, yeah there have been a couple of points like that and maybe at least one per season (laughs) um but the things that maybe for me feel like a stretch of the boundaries are just like how other people have to live because their jobs require a certain amount of exposure so i think i at this point in time i'm not wasting a lot of regret or energy about those little moments that i need to get through what about you i follow the rules every day so <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about? oh my uh, god it's a trap it was a trap. a trap no just kidding no i early 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 in covid in may actually there was a moment where i was alone and i really had this like deep 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 moment of like depression and just like lost it my friend Daria, I will say her name because Daria loves when you say her name. Hi, Daria. Hi, my Daria. Friend Daria came over to my apartment and there was this moment where we we're staring at each other through the door. And this is like early May. Like you were not allowed to touch another human being in May. And I was crying and she didn't even hesitate and just grabbed me and we like slumped on the floor of my kitchen. And I remember just being like, okay, now we both have COVID, it's fine. (laughs) You know, like, there was this moment, but, like, I really, that's, like, a day for me that I will always remember because I needed that human touch. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, like, I would have lost it if that hadn't happened, but also I, like, knew that it was, it was very dangerous. And, but I, but I also, yeah, there was also something about, like, just having a friend, like, we didn't even talk about it. Like, she didn't hesitate, so I didn't hesitate, you know? Like, you were like, okay, we are taking a risk together that I... I remember that and I was like, I don't care. Like I was like, if this, like, obviously I was like, if it kills Daria, I will never forgive myself. But I was like, if this is what kills me, I will die so happy. Like I didn't care. And then there was another moment in the summer. I mean, New York in the summer was magic. Um, Sorry to people who did not have magical summers. We had magical summer. But there was a day where it was like, people were definitely vaccinated. Like we had all had two doses of vaccines, but I did not do, um, indoor dining or um like i wasn't going to bars and like everything was outdoors especially because it was the summer and you know and it's also it's like not everyone was vaccinated and there were like definitely populations that were refusing to get vaccinated but there was a day where i was with another friend and we had gone to a bar that we thought we were going to be able to sit outside at and when we showed up it was like oh no this bar is indoor only it's very it's like your office Anne, is like bigger than the bar i'm talking about and it's was a this, small like, office it's a small <laughs> office but i just, just like to tell you and it's also like in a neighborhood in new york where i was like mm, nobody here is vaccinated and uh yeah and also like the outdoor space was closed and so 
we both looked at each other and we were like should we just dance like the dj was so fun there was like dance party and i remember just being like this is not smart like i knew it i was like this is not smart but i had not danced in like over a year i really wanted to and both my friend and i were like "Mm, we are households of one people so we were taking a risk that is like for each of us and we also had like an event that we were supposed to attend together like I think two and a half weeks later and so we're like you know what we'll just quarantine and we'll see what happens and I remember that night just like dancing among like no one was wearing a mask no not a window was cracked open the door was not open (laughs) that just like dancing to like afro beats and reggaeton and just like having a blast and I remember going home that night and uh, I had plans to go on a walk with a friend the next day and being like, so sorry, I can't go on a walk with you. I literally did a reckless thing and now I have to isolate for two weeks until I felt I extreme contested. joy and now I have yeah, to I isolate Yeah, I felt extreme joy weeks. or whatever. <laughs> and then we didn't, and then my friend and I ended up never getting COVID. Like we kept testing and we didn't get it. And I was like, wow, like that was a small miracle. Mm. Like that's literally what they tell you not to do. But I would do that night like a hundred times over for the extreme amount of like just happiness and joy it brought me and i was like you know what like we're in a plague but we're gonna dance we're gonna hug we're gonna kiss our friends like we are like we're going to live life you don't get to do it every day but every single time i did it i was like i have no regrets which like kind of brings me to a pandemic thing that's been driving me really crazy with this latest wave um because so many people have gotten covid not me, LOL. Quite um, literally record-breaking numbers. Like, record, like there was COVID. a day where, like, every single person I was supposed to see that day had COVID. Like, it was so funny. My All of my holiday plans got screwed. Everyone had COVID. But an attitude that has been, like, really making me really upset is this, like, notion of, like, people having to be sorry that they're sick. You know, mm. like, the shame of just, like, how, where did you get COVID? Like, we're so focused on, like, where and how someone got COVID that we are not understanding that that is just like a kind of like shamey like attitude that we're putting on people i'm like uh it's a literal airborne plague and so when i like i've just like noticed a lot of like groups of people being like oh yeah so this person gave it to everyone and blah blah blah. and i was like you know the way that the science works actually it's possible that someone that you don't even know gave it to all of you because we're not like doing all the things but i've just been so struck by that like this feeling of just personal shame and defeat that people are supposed to feel for having it i was like no like we're really we're two years into this and we're still learning the wrong lessons from it i was like no like we're living in a plague people will get covid do not make them feel like some type of way for getting it like let's get them resources so that like they expose the least people possible so that they're able to stay at home so that we're it's just that has been made me so mad. The focus on like where and how as opposed to like the, hey, how can we help you get over this? And how do we help you not spread it within your group of people? Yeah, I that really resonates. And also, you know, shame is sort of a symptom of this desire for control when we really have very little. Like, you know, the idea is like, we should all be able to control exactly who and how we see and exactly like what our exposure is. And if you get COVID, it's because you didn't control it right. Or mm-hmm. like you, you know, you were reckless. And like, you know, <laughs> that those two things feel hand in hand to me. And I think it's a really hard, it's a hard line to walk because we obviously want to encourage people to do 
very 101 things like wear masks or like Mm -hmm. opt for the outdoors when they can or like you know all of that messaging around a risk budget which like I am far from the top public health official you should be listening to but um there does seem to be a relationship between doing the most we can tipping over into like a maybe a false sense of control which then results in this shame if Mm -hmm. you are positive that like you know I appreciate you saying that because there's got to be some interruption of that narrative at some point. Yeah. I'm just like, if someone has all the vaccines that, you know, Dr. Flopchi says you're supposed to have. Um, Dr. Gropchi? Flopchi. I, um, Flopchi? I'm, the, I'm the number one Fauci <laughs> hater in the land. I'm just like, why are you people listening to this man? Mm. Um, that's another episode that will never be recorded. But anyway, Dr. Flopchi. Um, everything he said will happen does not happen. Um, and also he told us not to wear masks when we were supposed to. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you do not forget. <laughs> Never forget. I'm like, you have one job. Uh, <laughs> Which is to tell everybody to wear masks. masks. Yep. Um, no, but you know, like there's this thing for me, I was like, okay, like feel your feelings about people who are unvaccinated. 100%. I was like, feel your feelings about them. But I'm talking like in the population of us who are like, we are triple vaxxed. We, um, you know, like we're washing our hands. We are wearing masks. We are like, we're following the minimum of the guidelines that we're supposed to do. It is at a point, I mean, like two years in where it's like, okay, like, are you going to let COVID control your life every day and be like a fake, like armchair epidemiologist? Or are you just going to be a human being that says, I have enough information to decide what kinds of risks I am willing to take, what kinds of risks I'm willing for my family to take and what kinds of, you know, like what kind of attitude I will have in my community. And to me, like that, I feel that like if we are doing all of those things and we're being honest about them, it is so incongruous with this attitude of just punishing people who get COVID. I was like, the vaccine is doing exactly what we said it would do. It's like, we didn't say that if you get vaccinated, you're never going to get sick. We said that if you got vaccinated, you will likely not go to the hospital and die. And that has been true. Mm-hmm. It's been so, it's like people who are va- like, there are all these breakthrough infections and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, like that, like, that is normal, but the like people are okay. People mm-hmm. who have gotten vaccinated are like doing okay, but it's just been, I just feel a real sense of disappointment in like the fact that this has been two years and there's just like lessons that we're not getting. Like my other fear is that, you know, like if the world goes back to some semblance of normal one day, no one, we will not take into account all the information that we learned here about how messed up our childcare system is how messed up our healthcare system is definitely not yeah it's like hi you know maybe if you have a cold it's okay to stay home and work from home as opposed to you know having a job that makes you feel like an utter failure if you don't show up like every single day of the week mm-hmm. and so that is just yeah i'm just like humans never learning the right things yeah never learning the right things but yeah it's been two years i um I'm I'm kind of jealous of everyone who got Omicron because I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be one of the viral girls. This is, it's just like college when everyone got HPV except for me, you know? I just want to be, I just want to be one of the cool girls. I'm trolling you. I'm trolling you. And you are like, no, I know losing it. it. No, I'm, I actually, what you're watching normally, if we're on the phone, I wish you, everyone could see your face. You cannot see good? me in real time trying to decide whether to respond jokingly because I know you're trolling me or respond for the benefit of the audience that does not know you're trolling and make you say that you're trolling me. That was like the, like the small like, person in my head pulling gears. I was love doing just that. how like squirmy you got. God, this oh. is, I can't believe we were, 
recorded so much of this podcast over the phone when I could have looked at your face just like losing it. Well, all you these said years. you wish you had gotten human papilloma virus. <laughs> <laughs> All the cool girls got Ugh. human papillomavirus. I know, but most of us didn't find out till later when we had an abnormal pap. Okay, like it wasn't <laughs> even a real time flex. <laughs> you went through all the worst shit anyway that HPV could have done to you. It's like you could have at least had the cool points. Damn, Gina. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I just want to be one of the viral girls. Give me, give it to me. No, you know the thing. It's just that um, this is the shitty attitude about COVID. It's not that obviously, like I don't wish COVID on anyone, but the people who are on the other side of it, I'm like, damn, you have 90 days of no test. It's like you have a cape out here. You can mm. do whatever. You can go to a concert and do whatever you want. I don't really know that those with HPV enjoyed similar sexual benefits is all I want and, to say. <laughs> as we have noted, the HPV was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just plumbing the metaphor. Um, wow. This is like those like, can you even tell an HPV joke anymore? And <laughs> are, have, has, have things gotten so so politically correct has cancel culture run so amok (laughs) that we can't joke about the common sexually transmitted infection that many 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 people have yeah yeah (laughs) but again listen but the thing about stis and stds right it's like the conversations (laughs) that you have about that are like you know they're in some ways like covid combos covid combos And again, I was like, yes, of course, a society that is not comfortable like talking about STIs and STDs is not a society that is going to win at COVID. Speaking of, let's take a break. You want to know something that's really sad for me right now? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Every single one of my playlists on Spotify is deeply impacted by Neil Young removing his music from Spotify. Wow. So it's true. Also, um, a friend has a playlist that she shared with a bunch of us called um, I've Never Met a Cover of Harvest Moon I Didn't Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's every single cover of Harvest Moon ever made. And it truly is like the best uh, ASMR, I'm sad, playlist. Can, can I tell you with the, a Neil Young related theory, uh-huh. which is that unknown legend, um, you know, uh, she used to work in a diner, never saw a woman look finer, I mean, et cetera. You mean um, the song I'm walking down the aisle to? Yes. Is, is, <laughs> the Day Adabimpe version? Okay, well, listen, <laughs> I was just about to say the Day Adabimpe version is flawless. However, it is the original you don't know you're beautiful. Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> which of is course. Just like, I really, the day that I realized that, which was in fact not listening to Unlo- Unknown Legend, it was like I was in a thrift store and You Don't Know You're Beautiful was on. And I was like, oh my oh, God, I- this toxic sentiment. Um, anyway, mean, that's it's a like, Neil it's Young. It's like ma- man songs. You know what I mean? It's like they always sing about the same things. It's like, it's like whale songs, man songs. <laughs> yeah. It's like even rappers have their like, You Don't Know You're Beautiful. It's oh, always like, I like you with sweatpants on. on and mm-hmm. <laughs> your hair up up, no makeup on no makeup on (laughs) i mean neil young is like such a man songs offender on this front he really is but like i i don't know i i don't know if you've seen the shanine o'connor documentary i have not that is it's either out or i saw an early copy but like there's a shanine connor documentary that i'm sure you'll watch very soon and it was interesting like watching it because 
you're like, oh yeah, like musicians used to be activists, you know, like that's, she got punished. Mm-hmm. Like every, when people talk about cancel culture, I'm like, no, no, people who have gotten canceled are Sinead O'Connor and the chicks. Like that's who has Listen, suffered I cancel culture. Like I am a fan of Sinead. Yeah, but so the, <laughs> Sinead, the Sinead documentary is iconic mm. because it really is like, here is the context in which Sinead mm-hmm. made those comments. And then also it like contextualizes in like present day Ireland. And you're like, oh, maybe Sinead was onto something Mm -hmm. and we punished her for telling the truth but also musicians you know like i was like oh yeah musicians used to like anytime musicians do politics it's very dicey for them i was like the chicks we like we were like don't talk bad about the iraq war (laughs) and then it turns out they were 100 percent onto something yeah none of the congressional hearings post iraq war recognized the chicks so this Neil Young thing, I was just like surprised by because I was like, oh, like here's actually a good way of using your privilege. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm like, do you know how like shitty you have to be for Neil Young to like come down from heaven and be like, I- <laughs> to leave his barn where he makes music <laughs> yeah, all the time? To be like, excuse me, his like barn made of gold where he's like, Joe Rogan, I have something to say to you. I would die. I would die. I was like, we have not heard a word from Neil Young in like 11 billion years. And it's and you, Blow Grogan who makes him come out of the barn yes, and like, I was like, drive the, his motorcycle over. The and erstwhile host of Fear Factor. I was like, what? This is insane <laughs> and so so neil young is like using his influence to be like spotify i don't want to be on your platform please pull all my songs and i was just interested by this for many reasons because one um neil young has like sold half of his catalog to like an investment firm mm. so i was like oh wow the bankers are allowing this like that's a you know like bankers mm-hmm. don't love activism but i guess probably that i don't know anything about music but i bet that part of the reason that he only sold half the catalog and not all of it was so that he still had some control over it um and also they don't really make a ton of money off of spotify anyway um if you're listening to this podcast on spotify um, um <laughs> it's tough but uh, you're yeah. not getting rich as yeah, a result like, yeah but ar- <laughs> artists especially don't get rich but then also like Neil Young, I think, like, it's like, you know, the host of Fear Factor has like 200 million, like, listens, and Neil Young is like 6 million. So it's like, okay, in, in, you know, like in the universe of Spotify, Mm -hmm. Fear Factor Man is, you know, Fear Factor Ivermectin Man has like everything. And so, but I was still Mm. really impressed. I was like, okay, this is actually, um, you know, like, you have power, you're using your power in a way that makes sense. And, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's, when I was watching the Sinead O'Connor doc, I was like, musicians, like, very rarely do politics. Like, it's almost well, like I had forgotten, like, where I was like, oh, this used to be a part of your world. And now it's like, oh, there are very few musicians who take a stance on anything. Well, they do, but it's like a kind of toothless politics. I mean, I feel like we've talked about this mm-hmm. before where, um, you know, like, how many musicians were among the people who were like, posting black squares in summer 2020, but like are not going to do anything um, to make sure that their label is fairly compensating like people of color or like who are, you know what I mean? Like, like, like it is a real kind of skin in the game question. And this is right. Like Neil Young or his, the people who bought half his catalog stand to actually materially lose some money. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes it actually political and rather, rather than just like showboating. Yeah. And it's just like a, Streaming platforms, I don't know. I feel like this is my year of really doing my own internal soul searching about where I consume music because for so long I've just been like, eh, it's 
so convenient. My playlists live here and blah, blah, blah. And this is the whole thing. And also music streaming is broken. Like nothing makes me madder than like, so-and-so is going to have an exclusive on this platform for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I subscribe to that and I subscribe to this or whatever. But I was like, I have to confess that for as much as I know that streaming is not great for artists, and I'm someone that like, I'm like, I go to shows, I buy the merch, mm-hmm. I support my artists in like all the ways that I want to support them. I had really, this, this thing with the streaming, I was like, I really need to sit down and have my own, I need to think about it for more than five minutes and decide what I'm going to do about this. But it is really depressing. Yeah, I mean, it's a question, I mean, how do I put this? It's like, you're right, the Neil Young decision is a decision that like, we are all able to make in mm-hmm. theory, right? Um, we all participate in this platform. And um, there is no amount of like tweeting about it or messaging about it that will have the same effect as saying we're all leaving because we don't like, you know, I don't know, like this. We don't we don't like where you spend your money. We don't like where you spend our money. (laughs) Yeah, I just I also just like can't believe that we're like leaving podcasting to like Joe Rogan. Like I just, ugh. I yeah. Who's leaving it to him? I mean, I just like cannot believe. <laughs> I mean, we're leaving, but we're not leaving it to him. Not to him. But I guess like I just. It's like I know. And He's also listen. Will. And also listen. Sometimes I do listen to Joe Rogan, the Miley Cyrus episode. Ugh, chef's kiss. Like that I... was actually a great interview. But like this, like I just. It's like everything is too cliche. You know, I'm just like, really, Hmm. really, really, this is what's going on. And this is exactly what's going on. And it really annoys me. Hmm. We already discussed this. I don't even listen to like, you know, slightly less objectionable men. It's like, I don't have enough time. (laughs) I might curate some like LOL moments of Joe Rogan from you because sometimes like, it like sometimes he's so idiotic it's like like it's just like beautiful and you're like these are i was like these are the leading commentators of like a generation this is nuts i know but how does that not feel like laughing at like trump during the 2016 campaign oh no it doesn't it honestly in some ways it's worse than that i was like trump Mm. gets elected and like goes you know what i mean i was like i cannot like you know what i mean i was like it's bleak (laughs) like i have no say in this person like being here um I don't know, but I think mostly I, the reason I listen is because sometimes, you know, it's like sometimes I'm like, I will put on Fox News. I was like, what are these people saying? Of course, of course. What are these people saying? Like, what's going on here? The reason I listen to Joe Rogan sometimes is because I like, there are people that I'm intrigued by, you know, like the work or whatever. And also I'm like, okay, like I actually want to hear how you do your job. And I will say that like, there is a part of his job that I'm like, eh, sure. Like saying things that come out of your mouth, you know, I'm just like men gossiping and call it a podcast. <laughs> like that's fair. It's there. And then there is this other part where I was like, wow, like you, yeah, it's like the way that capitalism works is so still nuts to me. I was like, okay, we have just decided that, this man is the best that like all the men can do at like this thing. And <laughs> collectively, yes, we've collectively, decided. <laughs> I was like, this, this is your king. This is nuts to me. Oh. Like I was listening to this episode with Jordan Peterson that he did with Jordan Peterson. Also drives oh, me God, crazy. I heard about this. I know, but they were saying like the nuttiest things. And I was like, listen, I'm okay with people having controversial opinions. Like it's really not that I was like, have your controversial opinion. But if the controversial opinion is like rooted in literally being an idiot, it yeah it's like i'm listening to two white men the episode was like them talking about how 
people like black people using the word black to call themselves makes no sense because people are not black they're like they're brown they're this and i was like who is gonna tell joe rogan that black people are not the ones that call themselves black? <laughs> again i was like who is this is what i mean i was like this, this is, is a not- self-own in fact yeah, I was like, like yeah. these are not so so yeah the, i think like that's the thing i'm not articulating it well where for me it's not um i am not afraid of having divgent politics from people or having hard conversations i was like yeah like have these i love a person with a take i was like tell me your you know your like controversial take on the world like all of that is fine with me spoken like like someone who lived in dc for many years i I mean spoken like someone who like to my parents credit our dinner's table you did not have to have um like a you were not applauded for following the party line so i'm like it's not that i'm afraid of having hard conversations I would just like to have them with people who know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm. And so... Wouldn't that be nice? I know, it would be nice. So again, I just... I'm wow, just men in podcasting are not for you then. <sighs> like, you know... A, a slight generalization. I've already... I already stand by this. Some men make great podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I am on the record saying I listen to a lot of podcasts now and men make great podcasts. Have you listened to a good podcast lately? Like great question. Mm, uh, Honestly, the, the the only new podcast in my rotation is Like a Virgin is Fran Torado and Rose Damu, who Love. are very good friends. I would say actually a really good recommendation for people who are CYG fans and love best friend energy in their podcasters because a thing I really get from it that I honestly have not appreciated in many podcasts in my life is that energy, is like mm. the eavesdropping on their friendship. So the premise of the show is that they revisit a moment in pop culture history. Often it's something that one of them engaged in, but the other one did not. And then they will explain it to the other person. And there's frequently a guest. And they are just very, very funny. Um, So, yeah, I'm really enjoying that quite a bit. And... I think I, it makes me feel closer, actually, to CYG listeners who send us really lovely notes about how they love to eavesdrop on our friendship. Mm. Because I'm just like, oh, yeah, like that's actually a big selling point of this show for me. So, like a virgin. Love. What about you? Um, I mean, I have like doubled down on Who Weekly and mm. I subscribe to the Patreon. I, so I you're getting like four episodes a week. Yeah, I like don't know. <laughs> Honestly... <laughs> Nobody tell Lindsay and Bobby, but I literally get too much how content. How do they do it? They I, produce so much. I get much. too much content for how little money I, we pay them on that Patreon. Honestly. Like I like take all my money. How yeah. do they do it? I have triple double down on Who Weekly and it's delightful. And I listened to two podcasts this year that I, um, I like one I very much enjoyed and the other one I'm like, huh, I'm still thinking about. Um, so the first one is called... Uh, do you know Mordecai, I believe was the name. Just look at Mordecai podcast and you'll find it. And it is this really, really well done, um, I believe out of Canada podcast um, story about, like a story that is very common, like woman, true crimey. Uh, you're dating a man that's like kind of homeless, kind of lying to you, kind of catfishing you. And then he has like multiple relationships. But it was the first time that I've listened to a podcast about a story like that. Like a woman is like, wait, you're dating this person. You don't know them at all. And mm-hmm. they're doing these weird things to you that I felt um, the producers and the host really centered the women, at, like put the women mm. at the center. So there was no, 
you know, it's not like an episode of Catfish where you're like, excuse me, your boyfriend <laughs> won't get on camera and you're still here. Um, and I really, I don't know, it was done really respectfully. And I was just like, wow, like you can do true crime in a way that's not, um, doesn't say that like women are idiots. Mm-hmm. And then the other podcast that I also like, I could not stop thinking about is an, it's a catfish podcast <laughs> and it's called Sweet Bobby. Um, I think that it's like, and I'm still having a lot of thoughts about it. I overall, it was like fascinating because it is about um, this woman in a. Um, it, it, it's like the podcast is in England and it's um, in a Bengali community, and uh, a woman is being catfished by. They tell you also who the catfish is immediately, so it's not a like who did it, but you're just like why, and the scope of it is nuts, which I feel is the most interesting mystery at the of heart course, of most catfishes. Of course. Yeah, yeah, because the. Be, because the point of this podcast, which I actually think was great, was that, you know, like they tell you immediately who the catfish is. And also like, but by telling you the catfish behavior, your your mind is like blown away. You're like, what? And then she impersonated how many characters? And mm. like, you know, it wasn't just like one. Yeah, no, it was like a, it was a, yeah, it was the Marvel comic book universe of catfishing. <laughs> it was insane. Oh, I love the idea of one, a one person universe. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's a one person universe of it's mental illness, love. Uh. Like, you know, it's just like not doing well, but I still, and also I, you know, I do think that the host really went, um, like did some really good work, like contextualizing it also within this like Bengali community because the reactions were like very different. And, um, and I think that if you come from like an immigrant community, even if it's not Bengali, you're like, oh yeah, I feel like the shame is totally yours for having been catfished as opposed for being the victim of one of these things. And also you realize how much like the police doesn't know how to deal with this as a crime at all. Because at first you're like, what? Like getting catfish is not a crime. And they're like, mm. but if you quit your job and send all your money to someone and you're being emotionally abused and you're, you know, like your mental illness taking a toll, like what do you do with it? Um, and so I, I listened to that like recently and I am still thinking about it. And, you know, and also just being like, why are these stories so popular? Because every t- like... I'm like, there. it's always the same thing. It is always like, there's nothing mm-hmm. new in the world of like this specific kind of like true crime. It's nothing new. And at the same time, I just, I was like, the human mind is insane. And well, there is like so much to unpack here. And also just like the, that eternal question of like, how well do you know the people who you care about? And like, how well do you know your fellow humans? Like, I feel like it is at the heart of like a thing that like, most great novels are about and things i want to say yes right and then but then there is the <laughs> eternal question of but MTV. <laughs> then there's the eternal question of mtv's catfish we're like i'm willing to like really be like you know everyone has a secret life there are a lot of things about ann and gina i don't know i like you know like like you have some like real sec- you know like you have your own life sure. going on i am willing to entertain all of that what is really hard for me to entertain is in the world of like modern people where they're like, okay, I'm I'm friends with someone or I'm seeing someone and they're really mysterious and they never, like, we Skype every day, but they never bring their face to the camera. Like, what do you think that's about? <laughs> like, this, like, this is the formula of the MTV Catfish. And you're like, this is really hard. It's just, like, really hard to have sympathy for. You know where I'm like, okay. I totally, like, there's so many ways that people get scammed that I'm like, yes, this is, like... Yeah, people are mysterious and do mysterious things and like blah 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 but i'm just like wow we in the 21st century like if you're on video with someone who will not video with you i'm like the universal rule of catfish is that they are catfishing if you, you haven't seen them in real time 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you do with that energy? So I don't know. I, I like, I really like don't want to be judgmental because like, obviously it's like being taken advantage of sucks and the people who get taken advantage of should not be the ones that have to explain themselves. Mm. Um, that's how I feel about all wrongdoings, you know? And at the same time, just like, how do we, how do we as a society talk about like ways that we can all protect ourselves and be more transparent in general mm. because it is a kind of crime that dispro- it disproportionately happens to women in a specific way like in like you know it's like all kinds of people get catfished or taken advantage of mm-hmm. but like in this particular formula i was like oh wow like what are the learnings and what are the things that we can all implement and you know, you're a student of catfish yeah and you know and my story generally is like i'm like listen if you're talking to someone who tells you they have an iphone but somehow their wifi <laughs> doesn't work to like call you to face verify mm, walk away <laughs> um someone tells you they're in the witness protection program and they can't come to the phone <laughs> walk away <laughs> Somehow, this whole conversation, knowing it's going to sit on top of our feed for so long, <laughs> I love that this is going to be like like a, our legacy. Like, okay, like if you learn nothing else from this show, like this is pinned. You this know, is pinned. It's like never walk that. away if they don't show your face. Well, you know what? It was this or West Elm Caleb. So you oh, get to decide. I'm not interested in that. In fact, that's the, are you really not interested in West Elm Caleb? Well, or are you like what are you? What part no, of it are you it's not more just in? like I feel. Um, increasingly with things like this on the internet i um think of that line from the big lebowski like you're not wrong walter you're just an asshole <laughs> I, like, I think that about so many things in my life like honestly no, it, that's it plays on a loop and like this is one of those like one of those instances yeah i still remember the last tweet i ever shared years ago when i left twitter that was like a retweet of this really beautiful woman who said she was like, this year, I will only, I will not participate in the discourse. I will only be beautiful. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's me. I was like, I don't have, I don't have, I, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. Ugh. And we live in the opinion economy. Everyone wants to give advice. Everyone's an expert. Everyone is famous. Everyone is, and I'm like, this is not sustainable. Okay, what's happening for me right now is that my editor brain is so tickled that this is where we ended up <laughs> in the final episode of this show. And I, rather than just belabor that point, I want to say yes, exactly, and ask you, what are you going to do now that you're going to be beautiful? Honestly, just be more beautiful. I mean, look oh, at how, look I mean, at how, how glowing how I am right now. more beautiful than you are look right now. Look at how glowing it's I am impossible. right now. It's insane. You, well, you're at like 110 already. Like, how are you going to, how? Honestly... <laughs> And the pandemic was really hard, but some of us got hot. And that is... Some of of us got hotter. Some of us got hot. Some of us got hotter. I was like, stop. Feminism broke my brain. It told me that it was all about being smart. And I was like, no, no. Just be beautiful. Just be beautiful. Just be beautiful. Spoken like someone who's smart. Be beautiful and make a lot of money. Like, I've gone back to my... I have rejected the learnings of my foremothers. And I was like, I... You will be beautiful and I will be rich. Um, no, I'm trolling again. I mean, just a little bit. I, you know, honestly, just probably read for pleasure now mm. and watch TV for pleasure. It's going to be weird not to have read books to like review or interview authors. Like that is, it's like everything I've read the last two months, I was like, oh, there's no like, I'm just enjoying this. I don't this. get to call this person and yeah, talk to like them about I'm, it. I'm just enjoying this. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I'm going to get to hang out with you and Gina. Mm. Um, what else? You know, uh, like work on some writing, some television. Mm-hmm. And, but mostly read for pleasure, if I'm honest. Oh, read for I pleasure. What about you? <sighs> I don't, 
it's interesting. Like for me, um, for me, it's hard to separate from questions of like, you know, starting a round number fresh decade of my life and like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't happy belated. Mm, why? Thank you. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that, um, you How know, is it being 20? Oh, listen, the acne is hard to deal with. <laughs> you think I'm joking. Um, no, no, no. I think like, uh, so the key words that I'm like thinking about, like, you know, I mean, luxury. Think about mm. what luxury means to me. Um, I saw... She's rich, ladies and gentlemen. No, I have to she say though, rich. I saw I saw really, um, like, like luxury to me means like tipping really, really well. Like being able to like tip extravagantly or like mm-hmm. being really hydrated all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or like taking lots of baths. Like I really am like honing my bath practice in a real way, which like, as you know, I am a late in life bath taker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm really excited to have new pleasure practices that I did not have before. Like wearing earrings. As you know, I got my ears pierced for the first time it's for so my 40th. It's so exciting to see. Um, uh, a milestone that you underwrote. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you look beautiful. Thank you. So yeah, like I'm excited to do things like take baths and wear earrings. And yeah, like read for pleasure, but also um, just to like have space. Like that's another thing that's absolutely luxurious is like Mm -hmm. you know this podcast um we obviously made money from it like people who are listening to this listen to us read ads for years and years like we made money but it's not it's not like the money was never the reason we did this (laughs) (laughs) i know it's like i know this is a joke to the two of you in the room because we know the dollar amounts but like i was like ma'am i do not own as many shoes as i would like to own so so clearly (laughs) well and so the calculus the calculus in not doing this means that like like the luxury of more time is something that like i and we both have and like that is something that i am sinking into like a bath that is so hot i'm like (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is how i like to take my baths as a lizard bod and i will also say i am still like i'm taking extra pleasure in the work things i'm still doing like i am like finding extra pleasure in my newsletter i'm finding extra pleasure in like developing new ideas for things knowing that cyg can't be the container forces me to be more creative about how things are going to take shape Mm -hmm. in the world so i also i also want to say that part do you want to answer this question, Gina? Mm-hmm. I don't have a great answer for this. I think um, I, yeah, I feel more committed than ever to rest, time, pleasure. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, hedonism. <laughs> um, like just kind of being, being more in my body, being more with people, like really knowing the richness of getting to be in the same space and share air and what that means. And I think like where this show came from, which was the thrill of our connection to one another and wanting to spend time to like read and chat and think through our thoughts together. So doing that in a way that's not monetized or publicized, but like find those richness of connections that already exist and, have a lot of huge extrovert energy right now. Like uh, I befriended my gynecologist. <laughs> she just texted me for a coffee recommendation. I'm, like chatting with people on the street. Oh my god! Um, current? Yeah. I have a doctor who won't be friends with me in person because she says we can't. 
It's I'm not- gonna send her this episode. Oh my god, it's not a competition. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. I just baited an Aries. My no, god, I'm just saying, Doctor Surti, we could have had it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So I think like following that, like um, I'm really. I'm really feeling my like child self return, not in like the cheesy inner child way, but in just like passionate curiosity and doing things because they're fun and exciting. Yeah. Having time and space for that play. Totally. Totally. Playtimes. I bought myself a drum machine. So we'll see the future. Yeah. So yeah, I think um, the same values that always motivated us, like friendship, mutual aid, care and respect, pleasure, fun creativity like being in the core of that if you ever want to drop beats on the feed please feel free to also i was like (laughs) is the outro of this episode just beats by gina beats by gina (laughs) (laughs) yeah too bad she's editing doesn't get edit this out (laughs) beats by gd (laughs) dj snack pack over here (laughs) i mean i have two dj names dj snack pack or dj gordon gartrell for the deep cosby fans r.i.p but still i love it i love this for you dj yummy voice <laughs> dj yummy voice DJ, DJ yummy, yummy voice that's what it is dj yummy with like an umlaut over the yes! u <laughs> that's, like, that's like gina's hollywood Yum, billboard about Yumi her vegas voice. residency is dj yummy <laughs> <laughs> wow well, glad we workshopped that um ladies i am really gonna miss you i mean i'm gonna miss this time with you right structured time mm-hmm. structured time yeah see see you on the group chat and other non-public spaces that's right and to all the listeners see you on the internet see you on the internet thanks for coming along for the ride with us hi my name is fitch i am from brooklyn or living in brooklyn new york um you can use it on the show And I just listened to the big announcement episode, and I wanted to shout out my ex-bestie, but who I lovingly ended my friendship with, um, Susanna. We also grew up, grew into our friendship listening to this podcast and discussing episodes week over week and reading the book recommendations and read Big Friendship together and ended our friendship recently for mutual the mutual needed to love ourselves before the friendship and I just want to say thank you to Aminatu and Anne and Gina for making this beautiful container where conscious love and real talk um, and fun snacks could grow so thank you and I am so grateful that you have been here and I'm grateful for all of you that you're ending. Bye. My name is Lynette. I'm calling from Jacksonville, Florida. And yes, you can use this on the show. I just wanted to tell you that I just listened to the podcast about making old friends or conversations with old friends. And I loved it because when I was six years old, my best friend was 83 years old. And we stayed friends until I moved away and then she passed away but I learned so much from having that relationship with her um she was it wasn't like a 
familial relationship. She was just a woman who lived in our neighborhood, and I started taking the mail to her, and then we just became friends, and I would go and hang out with her, and we'd watch Jeopardy. But she taught me so much just by being herself. And I loved this podcast simply for that reason, because I feel like so many people could benefit from just talking to, to someone who's older than them and vice versa, because I feel like, you know, I learned things that I would never have learned from anybody else in this world that I learned from her. Hi, my name is Molly, and I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and this can be used on the show. As you wrap up, I just want to shout out my work bestie, Audra, who introduced me to Call Your Girlfriend. Um, we even went to a live show together. Anyway, we, we don't work together anymore, and I really miss her, and I'm going to miss the show. And thank you so much for all the great times I've had listening to it. Um, thanks. Bye. This is CYG producer Jordan Bailey. I just wanted to give a big heartfelt goodbye and share how much the show has meant to me over the years. I started listening to CYG in 2015. It was one of the first podcasts I discovered and one of my favorite, favorite shows for years. And it was a big inspiration for me for my own career. I would listen to Anne and Amina and think, I want to do that too. In 2017, I saw CYG live in San Francisco. And during the Q&A portion at the end, even though as an introvert, I was super nervous to stand up in this giant room full of people, I asked Anne and Amina some advice for starting my own podcast. They gave me some tips, and then the wonderful Gina Delvac invited me to find her after the show for even more info. Those conversations gave me the push I needed to start my own podcast, and eventually to work in audio professionally. Years later, Gina and I reconnected, and she brought me on to Team CYG. It's felt honestly like a dream to be able to work on a show I loved so much for so long, and I'm really grateful for everything I've gotten to do with Team CYG. I got to interview some of my favorite authors, share some of my favorite work, and I even came out on this podcast. That's a pretty big deal. This podcast has always felt like home to me, and as a longtime fan, I'm sad to see it come to an end. But as a friend, I'm excited to see Anne and Amita move on to other things. I can't wait to see what's next. You can find all of CYG, our whole archive on the internet at callyourgirlfriend.com or on your podcast app of choice. As far as we know, we're still on all of them. The show has been hosted by Amina Tussauds and Ann Friedman, low these many years, and executive produced by me, Gina Delvac. The show is also produced for a time by Destry Sibley and for a really long time by Jordan Bailey. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by the inimitable Kanisha Sneed, who I have to say I think created the most iconic podcast logo art I've seen. We had editorial support for many years from Laura Bertacci, and thank you also for editorial support to Mercedes Gonzalez Bazan. Carly Knowles ran our merch shop, and we're sorry, the scam is structural dad hat is completely sold out, and it was designed by Brigitte Morris. Extra special thanks to our besties and colleagues including Sarah Blank, without whom I never would have met Anne and without whom I never would have met Amina, Josephine Mortarana, who brought us into Stitcher with Eric Spiegelman, Jordan Abel, who first suggested we might want to do a live show, and to everyone who attended one. To our guests and all of you for listening, we'll see you on the internet.